Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett coming to you on the Friday broadcast, and this is part two of the message of starting this year in living truth. Oh, well, let me tell you something that truth is not. Truth is not simply whatever works. That's pragmatism. Truth is simply not what is coherent or understanding. Listen, a whole lot of people can gather together and formulate a conspiracy based on a whole set of falsehoods, but that isn't truth. Truth is not what makes people feel good. You know, sometimes bad news can be true. Truth is not what the majority says. 51% of a group can reach a wrong conclusion. Truth is not what is comprehensive. Oh, you can have a long, detailed explanation of something, but if it's not true, it doesn't matter how comprehensive it is, it is still not truth. Truth is not defined by what is intended. Listen, good intentions can be still wrong. Truth is not how we know. Truth is what we know. Truth is not simply what is believed. You know, a lie can be believed and it's still a lie. Truth is not what is publicly proved. Truth can be privately known. Listen, we're going to talk about truth and how Jesus shared truth wherever he went. But let me give a quick review of what we covered yesterday. We learned that we are influenced by our experiences. What happens in our lives will influence our perception of truth. We also learned yesterday that our emotions factor into our perception of truth. And so we've got to be tough on our emotions. Just because I feel something doesn't mean it's true. And just because I don't feel something doesn't make it true. Emotions are a gift that God gives us so that we can enjoy life. Emotions can be a wake-up call that something's wrong and we should fix something. Emotions should never be the dictator of what is true and what is false. And then we said a third indicator of what our perception of truth is, is our education. You know, you can be educated very well and and go to all kinds of schools of higher learning, and you may not be learning facts, but you may be indoctrinated into something that is not true. But because you've believed it and been told it for so long, it becomes true to you. Albert Einstein says, education is not just the learning of facts, but it's the training of the mind to think. And the last thing that will affect our ability to perceive truth is our environment. What are we exposed to? Where were we living? Listen, if you live in sin long enough, you can begin to embrace the reality of that sin. But I want you to know you can be set free. That's the truth of the matter. That is the truth of the fact. You can be set free from sin. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Well, we've talked about what truth is. We've talked about what truth is not. Let's talk about how Jesus revealed truth. And we learned yesterday, first of all, he revealed truth by touching lives. He had the little children come to him, and and he touched them, and he embraced them, and, and he laid hands upon them, and he touched them. Listen, if you want to share the truth of the gospel with somebody, find ways to connect with people. We do a lot of outreach events at our church with the purpose of reaching our community with the gospel, creating ways to touch people, whether it be through Christmas Eve services, whether it be through Thanksgiving dinners, whether it be through fall festivals. We do these events so that we can touch the lives of those in our community. We also have a children's ministry that is very active, and we have a school, and uh, we have an academy, and we have a before and after care facility so that we can touch the lives of the children in our community 
so that we can touch the lives of their families. And by the way, if you are looking for a place to work and you love children, hey, would you give me a call? We are always hiring. Matter of fact, we're in the process of building a new building, an 8,000 square foot building, and this building is going to be used to reach children. Uh, It's an exclusively designed building just for the kids, and we're calling this building the ARK, A-R-K, and that stands for Always Reaching Kids. Well, when you reach a lot of kids, you need a lot of help in reaching them. So if you are looking for a job and you love Jesus and you love kids, uh, why don't you give me a shout out? You can call me at 252-267-2365. If you know somebody looking for a job, tell them to give me a call, 252-267-2365. We'd love to interview them and see if they're a good match to work with us. Well, Jesus revealed truth by touching lives. You see, touching somebody brings comfort. It says, hey, you know what? Everything's going to be okay. There's another thing that Jesus did as we spell out the word truth. Letter R is that he related to humanity. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, it says that Jesus emptied himself, taking on the form of a slave, becoming as human beings and being in every way like a human being. So Jesus related to us by becoming like us in every way. John Maxwell said this, The key to relating with others is putting yourself in someone else's place instead of putting them in their place. Do you get what he's saying? Jesus came not to put us in our place, but he came to take our place, to be in our place. He didn't relate to us from a distance. He walked through life just like we walk through life. He set aside some of his power so that he could identify with us when we feel powerless. He went so far as to wash the disciples' feet, and then he died in our place. Relating to humanity was a humbling experience for Jesus, and it's hard for us too. You know, when I was visiting one of my members just recently, uh, he was at the end of his life, and, uh, and he wasn't going to be uh, with us much longer. But as I'm talking with him, and as I'm talking with his children and his wife, uh, the subject of suffering came up. And I said to the family, I said, you know, one of the reasons that I'm a follower of Christ is because Christianity answers the question of why we suffer and how we suffer and how we can survive suffering. You know, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 1.4, that God supports us in every hardship. And he does that so that we are able to come and to to be the support of others in every hardship of theirs because of the encouragement that we ourselves receive from God. One of the reasons that suffering is in the world is because God wants to provide comfort in our times of suffering. And he wants to identify with us as we go through our times of suffering. And so when he came, He suffered as we suffered. He was tempted as we are tempted in every way. He identified with our suffering. Paul tells us that during our times of suffering, God gives us a special agent to help us, to encourage us. That is the Holy Spirit. And then when we receive this help during our times of trouble, it is designed so that we can help others as they go through their times of trouble. 
You see, God says, I'm going to relate to you so that you can relate to others. I'm going to support you in your time of need so that you can pass that support on to others. Don't avoid or isolate yourself from others. They need you, and you need them. You see, we chronically forget how much of a difference it makes that we have access not only to our own thoughts and emotions, but we also have access to God and His thoughts and His emotions. He's given us this wonderful book called The Bible. The Bible is God's basic information given to us before leaving earth. I want you to know that Jesus conveyed truth, and he did it by relating to humanity. You see, relating to somebody brings encouragement. Maybe that's why Paul reminded the Thessalonian believers, and Paul also reminds us, that we're to encourage one another and to build each other up. Jesus identified with us. He connected with us. He engaged with us. He related to us so that he could bring about encouragement. And that's how he shared the truth. Well, letter U stands for understand the real need. Now we're going to look at a different passage from Mark chapter 2, and I want to set the background for Mark chapter 2 before we dive deeper into understanding the real need. In Mark chapter 2, we have a paralyzed man. Now, thankfully, this paralyzed man had some friends. Now, these friends were diehard friends. Uh, They weren't friends that bailed out on him because he was paralyzed. These were friends that were determined to take this paralyzed man and get him to Jesus. Well, they found out where Jesus was, and they began going to that house where he was. And as they began to enter into that house, they discovered the place was packed. There was standing room only. As a matter of fact, it was so crowded, they couldn't get in to where Jesus was. Well, these friends were undaunted. They realized that they had to do something drastic. Their friend needed to be healed. Their friend needed to see Jesus, needed to be with Jesus. And so what did they do? They go up on the top of this roof, and they began ripping off the shingles, ripping off the tiles, ripping off the roof. And they took their friend, made a big hole in the roof, and then lowered him down on that stretcher to where Jesus is. Now, we pick up the story in Mark chapter 2, verse number 5, when Jesus saw how much faith they had. Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My son, your sins are forgiven. Now, wait a minute. Jesus understood the real need. The real need that you are experiencing today is not physical healing, The real need that you are experiencing today is forgiveness. You may say, well, I don't need forgiveness. The one who is hurting me, that person needs forgiveness. Well, let me ask you a question. If you don't need forgiveness, why are you hurting so much? Why are you bitter toward that person whom you think needs forgiveness? You see, the real need is to be healed, but the deeper need was sins to be forgiven. You see, the real need is healed when we have faith in the healer. Look at how that healing was given for this paralyzed man. It was given by forgiveness. You see, what hurt that we are nursing today is where we need forgiveness. It can be healed when you have the faith to believe. And maybe you're looking at your life and you say, I don't need forgiveness. Somebody else needs forgiveness. I want to ask you a couple of questions. I want to ask you to answer these questions as honestly as you can, okay? And as you look at this, 
Is there somebody that you refuse to like on social media? You're reading their post, and you're reading it with disdain. Here's something else. Who do you hate hearing something good spoken about? Number three, who do you cop an attitude with, dropping snide comments about? Who are you spreading gossip about, or who are you listening to others gossip about? You see, Jesus loved this man deeply. And yeah, the man needed to be healed of his paralysis, but the man needed to have his sins forgiven. And so Jesus forgives the man, and a byproduct of that is that he is forgiven. You see, some of us, we may be afraid to let go, right? Maybe let go of anger because, in a strange way, it keeps us connected to the person who has hurt us. Did you know that anger is a form of intense, albeit negative, an intense attachment, just like love? Both forms an emotional intensity, keeping us close to the other person which is why so many couples are legally divorced, but not emotionally divorced. You see, if you can't talk on the phone or be in the same room with your ex-spouse without your stomach beginning to clutch, then you're still attached. Are your friends feeding your faith or are they feeding your bitterness? These four men cared about their paralyzed friend. They carried him to Jesus. When they couldn't get into the room where Jesus was because of the crowd, they ripped off the roof and they lowered him down. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Do you notice what it says when Jesus saw their faith? Not his faith, their faith. If they are feeding your faith, you have got some good friends who are helping you to experience forgiveness and healing. If they are feeding your bitterness, they are contributing to your spiritual demise, and it's time to find some new friends. I love to watch people, and because I have a special needs son, sometimes we just go to the mall and and walk around, just watch people, you know? One of the things I watch about people is I watch them when they go through difficult times, when they go through a time of being offended. Who you are drawn to in your time of hurt speaks volumes to you. Jesus knew that this man needed to be forgiven of his sins. That's why he was paralyzed. When you are deeply hurt, there is this tendency to be drawn to people who are experiencing that similar hurt. The danger comes in when you are drawn toward bitter people that will enable you in your bitterness. Instead of feeding your faith, they're going to feed that bitterness. Now, this is a subtle thing, but I've seen it happen over and over and over again, where somebody goes through a similar hurt and they connect with somebody else who is still nursing and rehearsing that hurt. And they're thinking, I'm going to go to this person because this person has been through a similar situation that I've been through. But what they miss is that person is still stuck in that trap. That person hasn't overcome that trap. They are still living in that trap and they are are wanting to have you know, misery loves company. They are wanting you to join them in that trap. I want to warn you, avoid those people like the plague. Go to people who will tell you the tough truth in love, who will tell you not what you want to hear, but what you know you need to hear. They will feed your faith and not feed your bitterness. 
You see, exposing the real need to somebody brings forgiveness and brings healing. Jesus gave a strong warning against bitterness and against anger. In Matthew chapter 5, now, the reason I'm segueing into this is because I really feel like this is a major problem within churches as a whole. Jesus said to his disciples, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment, and whoever so say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council, but whoever shall say, thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Now, this is brother against brother. So we're not talking about bitterness uh, that we may experience from those who don't know Christ. We're talking about believers. We're talking about the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gathered around with his disciples and saying, if you're angry with your brother without a cause, you're in danger of judgment. And if you're wishing that your brother, Raka, I wish you were dead, but you have no reason for that, you're a fool. And you shall be in danger of hellfire. In other words, if you have anger without a cause and you refuse to forgive, you probably, according to this verse, are not saved. You're not born again. Because how can you be a recipient of God's forgiveness and yet refuse to forgive somebody that doesn't even have an offense against you? It is a manufactured offense. Many years ago, I had a woman who I could sense that there was a problem. It's actually a couple, husband and wife. I could sense there was a problem. And I would address that, try to address that with them. And every time, oh, no, nothing's, no problems, you know. Uh, everything's good. Well, and after about two years, uh, uh, they came to me and said, "Hey, we're leaving the church." I said, "You're leaving the church." Well, I kind of suspected something wasn't right, and I said, "Well, w- would you tell me what the problem is?" And they would never tell me this problem. I said, "How are you going to leave a church without even identifying the reason why you're leaving?" And finally, I figured out why they were leaving. Well, two years ago, they had heard something. What they heard was not true, but they believed it was true. And even at that point, it got so bad, instead of talking to me about it, they believed it was true. And so I said to them, well, you've been fed a lie, and you've been believing this lie, and I can give you documentation that shows that uh, what you say I didn't do, I did do. And it was a case of, of having to report something to authorities, and I did. I reported it to authorities, and I had a police report, and I said, I can show you the police report where it was uh, reported. And all of a sudden, it got real quiet. Now, pride would not allow them to acknowledge they were wrong. And so they left. That was the end of it. The sad thing about that is that it was anger with a brother without a cause or a false cause. And as a result, that caused them to never get that matter really resolved. So Jesus here is dealing with the real need, not the perceived need. There's another way that Jesus shared the truth, and he did it, and this is revolutionary, right? He shared the truth by telling the truth. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot be in the kingdom of God. So loving kindness is required, but the follower of Christ, just like the master, will be firm in telling the truth. Warren Wiersbe, who has gone on to be with the Lord, said, Truth without love 
is brutality. And love without truth is hypocrisy. So telling somebody the truth brings salvation. Now, we are beginning a brand new year. What a great opportunity we have placed before us. Let me ask you a question. Have you been involved in someone coming to Christ in 2022, last year? You say, no, well, how about this year? Are you going to be intentional about sharing the gospel with somebody this year so that they will come to a saving knowledge of Christ? That would be the challenge that I give to you today. We've got one final point to cover in spelling out the word truth, and that is the letter H is holding us up in prayer. Jesus shared the truth by holding us up in prayer. John chapter 17, verse 20, Jesus said, I am not praying just for these followers. I'm also praying for everyone else who will have faith because of what my followers will say about me. Did you know that you and I, we are benefactors of the prayer of Jesus, the prayer that he prayed 2,000 years ago? Jesus has a prayer for us. And that prayer is that we will be one with one another as he is one with Christ. As we think about the new year and we think about sharing truth, one component that we must not forget is holding up others in prayer. You know, Paul said to the Corinthian believers, that those who do not believe, do not believe because their minds have been kept in the dark by the evil God of this world. He's the one that keeps them from seeing the light that is shining on them. The light that comes from the good news about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Now, holding people up in prayer begins that process of illumination. So Jesus shared the truth by touching lives, the little children that came unto him. He did it by relating to humanity. He took on the form of a servant. He did it by understanding the real need. The real need was for not just physical healing, but forgiveness. That was the real need. He did it by telling the truth. And then he did it by holding us up in prayer. And so I want to close the broadcast with sharing part of the prayer that Jesus prayed for all believers. So part of understanding and receiving truth, I think, involves prayer. Maybe you're like me. You've got a family member who is way off the beaten path, who has fallen off the path of righteousness. They need to be brought back. Why don't you fervently pray? Jesus prayed this prayer, John chapter 17, verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. The world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, 
Though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. What a powerful, powerful prayer that is. So Lord, thank you for allowing us another week of learning more about you. This week, may we touch lives with the gospel of Jesus Christ. May we relate well to those that we love. May we understand that their real need and our real need is for forgiveness. And may we be quick to receive forgiveness. May we be quick to offer forgiveness. May we tell the truth in love, but may we not compromise that truth. May we also hold up those we love in prayer. We pray for those that are drifting, those that are in a bad place today, that they be welcomed back into the fold. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining me on this Friday broadcast. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. I'd love to see you at church this Sunday at Hickory Ridge Community Church at 9 o'clock or 1045. God bless you. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you soon. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.